screen. <laughs> Your hats. All right, hold on. Good morning. So lovely to see you all. So lovely that the sun is shining out today. So I'm going to pray for myself again. Lord Jesus, we just, um, I just pray, Heavenly Father, for your words. I desperately, Lord Jesus, pray that you would help me to communicate what you want to say with humility um, and by your spirit. Lord, let it be you speaking and not any of myself. That is not led by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Like he does want ourself, like that part of us that's, you know, who we are, the uniqueness of ourselves, but just yield it to his spirit. Um, I'm going to start us off. I just feel like though I was going to do this at the end, but I feel like the Lord just highlighted to like do it now. At the very beginning, I'm like, okay. Um, start with a little... Um, a little excerpt from a book that I thought was really good. The title of the story is Show Me Your Tongue. It says, as a hospital attendant with the British forces in North Africa during World War II, I worked closely for a while with a Scottish doctor in charge of a small field hospital that handled dysentery cases. Every morning as we went the round of our patients, the doctor invariably addressed each one of the same he addressed each one with the same two sentences. How are you? And then that was followed with, show me your tongue. <laughs> um, as I practiced in the, this medical rit ritual each day, I observed that the doctor was much more interested in the state of the patient's tongue than in the answer he received to the question, how are you? I have reflected many times since then that the same is probably true of our relationship with God. We may offer God our own estimate of our own spiritual condition, but in the last resort, God, like the doctor, judges mainly from our tongue. So this is an excerpt from the book, Taming the Tongue, um, by Mark Kinzer. And um, I actually have that book <laughs> that I bought years ago. And, um, but this was actually something that I was um, reading from, from a lesson. At Tuesdays, I'm um, uh, on at KPEP, which is, I think I've talked about it before, it's, um, it's a place where it's kind of in between probation and jail, you know, for, for ladies that have been in to various types of trouble, trouble in, but it usually has to do with um, drugs and alcohol. And, um, so um, I'm there on Tuesdays doing a class related to basically just um, we do a rotation of topics and, you know, talking about issues of discipleship and growing in um, the word. And, and really it's, it's kind of, it's in different topics, but it's kind of really sanctification. And really what sanctification is, is the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's how we live. And... 
as as uh, we were going through that lesson, I felt like the Holy Spirit really prompted me. You could see the receptivity and just even me as I was preparing, just the practicality of these proverbs. And I, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me that this is actually... Um, the direction I want you to go to Sunday because I would orig- I had a different direction originally planned and so um, I'm actually going to talk about this whole idea of you know um, the power of the tongue and really that there is life in it uh, and there is death in it there's the power of both in it and so it's a big topic and it is probably more than can happen in the amount of time that we have, but we'll get as far as we can, and then I'm going to, you know, I'll probably just pick up unless the Lord takes me in a different direction. But um, he's really prompted me that this is a message for, um, I feel like it's always a message for me, and it's even a message for Light Hop. James is one of my favorite books because it's very basic and very practical. Like, Paul is very ethereal, and he's he's intense and deep, but James is just like, here it is. He's like parable form for me. I really like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm getting it. Yes, I'm getting it, James. And so he put a lot of heavy emphasis on it, and so it really warrants a lot of time. And, um, but it's, it's definitely a lot to process through. It's the book of James is, um, and even what we're going to talk about, chapter three, like it's, um, it's a lot to process through. It's um, it's like an elephant. Has anybody ever eaten one? One bite at a time, Tim says. That's how you eat an elephant. Yeah, that's how we'll take this. We'll do this one bite at a time. So, um, and as I start, I just want you, I want to be clear to know that this, this is meant to be a message of encouragement because, um, you know, I think that we, we all want to, to do better in this area, like I certainly know I do. I do want to be very clear that I'm not standing up here um, at teaching of like here. Um, this is this is your problem, and you need to fix it. <laughs> no, this this is me. This is all of us. This is a wrestle that we are all dealing with, and so um, the word is an invitation for us um, to come into alignment with the Lord. But we definitely know that there's power in the tongue. And there, if you think about powerful things like fire, wind, water, um, we can think of examples how each of these are have done destructive things, right? Like especially now, like the earth is groaning, there's natural disasters, there's been large wildfires, there's been floods, there's been hurricanes, there's been tornadoes, fire, wind, water, right? all kinds of damage, and so really um, hard things. But at the same time, we could take those very same elements of fire and wind and water and know that there is massive examples of good that is being done, Like right? Water is life-giving. We could not sustain our planet without it. Um, We would all freeze without the fire. I just think about the wind like... Not only would it's a delight for me to feel it, to hear it, um, but actually wind is one of the fastest growing renewable energy technologies. So it's like, hey, there's a lot of good in these different things. And so there's, um, we, I just want to remind us that as we go through a small sampling of what God's word is saying, we want to be encouraged that as God talks about this 
small part of the body, um, it is something that it can actually be used for good, but it can also be used for harm. So we want to glorify him and be ambassadors of how we use our tongues, yielded to his leadership. I mean, we're going to get into what James talks about with the Bible, just being like the tongue being like a rudder. But if you, I tried to pull up some examples of these big ships, you know, where you look at the, the rudder, but it's just, we, have you seen these pictures of the rudder? Even on an airplane, have you seen it? It's just, it's the device that dictates like the direction that that vessel is going. And it's they're like massive, massive, massive vessels. But the rudder is so small in comparison to the rest. And I think our body is really a good indication of that. If you could look at, you know, look at, you know, my body and I won't say my weight because I don't want to disclose that. But, <laughs> but you know, if we look at the number of pounds that we have, like how many pounds do you think a tongue weighs? <laughs> Like probably a fraction of a pound, right? It's so small. It's this little part of the body, in, but it steers the direction of the whole body. Like James really wants us to get the power of this. And so um, it's, it's pretty important. We want to be yielded to the Lord's leadership. And um, I've never been a part of another fellowship that I have in my history of being a believer that has let the Holy Spirit flow through their words like this body. We, we have a body that really encourages one another, lifts one another up, exhorts one another. Like, that, that is really the culture of who we are, for sure. Um, but it is also true that the enemy is always seeking to get in. And the enemy is going to target our hearts, you know, and our tongues, that or that expression, because... It, it's so powerful because great ships are steered by it. And so it's a sobering warning. We want to be encouraged by the good that has happened here in this fellowship and, and how God has used us, um, but also just, you know, want to be aware of, of, of growing in that area so that the enemy cannot get any footholds there. So he's flowing through the use of our words and we want, and but it's a choice between the enemy doing it or the Holy Spirit do it. So, like I said, I think we do really well in this area. So let's dive in. I'm going to start with Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. Um, I'm going to often just be sharing because I really like to hear the verse twice. So instead of repeating the verse in the same translation, a lot of times I'm going to start with the um, one and do the other, but the New King James and the New Living. Um, translation. So Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And LT, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love... Oh, I've duplicated every I said it. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. You know, people die because of something that's said. There, there really is power in life in, in the tongue. You know, and even if I were to say to you, like, first of all, you know, have you ever heard that saying, like, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? <laughs> is this true? 
No, right, because injuries can go away. Usually they'll heal, right? But these words, you know, they lock in the mind, and then this, and the enemy will just, like, play them over and over and over again. There's, there is, we've, I'm sure there's no one in this room that has not experienced some destructive thing that was said to them by some uh, maybe insensitive, immature person in our life, teacher, parent, friend, relative, um, that has stayed. Uh, and then the enemy just has really used that. So the, it, it's powerful. But even like beyond that, beyond just the, what, what it does in terms of, you know, maybe um, a nuisance all the way up to trauma words, um, is just literally like there is death in life in the power of time. Uh, we're Wednesdays, we're praying for the persecuted church, and we can see regularly that someone's use of their tongue can result like an accusation of blasphemy. Oh, you know, they talked, they said something against Allah. And the next thing you know, officials are hauling a Christian off to jail or it's vigilante justice. And uh, I think we can all think of a primary example that a lot of us have heard of, which is a Sia Bibi from Pakistan and um, how she was in just a, uh, the drama that was unfolding for her because of an accusation. So um, people literally can die. <laughs> Because of words spoken, right? This is the case. So um, weapons can be, uh, tongues can be weapons of mass destruction, even launching holocausts and wars. And tongues can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes. Um, tongues can be the death of understanding. Tongues can be the death of reputations, missionary efforts, even governments. It's, it's not a little thing. Um, on the other hand, people also live because of something that is said. So that's the great news. Proverbs 15.4 tells us that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The New King James Version says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Tongues reconcile peoples and make peace, which we're familiar with Matthew 5, 9, which talks about blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. Those peacemakers are using their tongues and their actions, right? The Proverbs is not something that you want to build your theology on for sure, but there are some great insights that like a parable can really simplify and challenge us. I'm going to give you a couple of other examples as well. Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he would open, open, but he would open wide his lips shall have destruction. I think I mistyped that. <laughs> Let me read that again. Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Proverbs 17, 27. And by, by the way, like, sometimes, like, you think wicked. I mean, we're thinking pours forth evil. I mean, that's not me. I'm not wicked. <laughs> but, um, you know, James talks about the tongue as a deadly poison among the parts of the body. Right? We can... Um, 
we can do evil, wicked things, and the enemy can flow out of our lips. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of calm spirit. And there is another side of that, which we're going to get to. But again, you know, you can't build a theology about this, but um, because if the Lord leads you to say something, um, maybe sparing words or not saying words is not the answer, right? You're like, I'm always right because I'm silent. No, that's actually not always right either. But I think there's a principle here. Um, you can be wrong in being silent, especially if the Lord has really, if there's something that needs to be addressed, a sin that needs to be addressed, or if the Holy Spirit has prompted you and you're sure it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it and you're following the scriptural example. Which one of the fruits of the Spirit? Um, we can avoid getting into trouble with our words through patience. How many of you agree with that? Yeah, that's really taking the time. I, I remind myself if I'm thinking, I, this is, I think most of us can think of this in terms of parenting. You know, maybe it could be workforce issues or things like that, but I, I remind myself when there is some situation that's going on that I feel like I need to address. I'm like, is, is there a hurry? You know, is God in a hurry about this thing? Is there anything that I think that I need to address that God is not capable of handling if I don't deal with it in some particular timeline? Is he not capable of, you know, handling it? And you know what the answer usually is. <laughs> um, so, but one of the things that we can do is we, we can avoid getting in trouble with our, with our words through patience, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Patience. Along with love and joy, <laughs> peace, kindness, etc. like all of those things. Tongues have the capacity to make marriages sweet and families strong, and churches healthy, and communities united. Um, they can give hope to people that are despairing. They can increase understanding. Maybe there's a lack of understanding in a situation. Our tongues can be used to really provide understanding. I mean, um, empathy. Our tongues can be used to provide empathy. Um, our tongues communicate um, not just words, but you know the the you know the um, the proverbs are talking about words, but it's 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 not just words, but it's our tone and it's our facial expressions and it's the consistency of our life and the posture of our heart. Like all of these things contribute and are what fuels the words sometimes, right? Our tongues can be used to increase, like, the spread of the gospel. So it comes down for us, like, the challenge is these everyday choices. Because I think, like, I know that I want to do better in this area. You know that you want to do better in this area. But it's like continuing to invite Lord, the Lord into this conversation. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Will it be sword thrusts or healing salve? These are sometimes, like, I'm like, I don't want to think about life. Is there that much power in my words? Yes, there is. Are my words going to be used as a sword thrust or a healing salve in the lives of my relationships? Um, you know, I especially think of this as a mom, you know, because with, as a mom, parent, you know, you're dealing with things that got to get dealt with, right? Proverbs 11.9, with their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. I believe 
everyone here um, wants our tongues to be life-giving. And like I said earlier, I think we really do a great job at this because this is, this is meant to be encouragement, not like, you know, a beat on you kind of a session at all. But it does take intentionality. It does take asking, seeking, knocking. It's one of the things I really love about the fact that we got to continue doing the Sermon on the Mount prayer set because I need to keep pressing into that topic. I need to keep pressing into the practicality of how do I live this stuff out? What does it look like on a daily basis? And when you're praying the topic of the Sermon on the Mount, which is way broader than just those three chapters in Matthew, but you know, it's throughout the Bible as God is calling us to be stewards of in his ambassadors. Um, it takes letting the Holy Spirit speak to us uh, regarding our words. It takes us having teachable hearts. It takes tenderness towards others. It takes being willing to wait on him. It takes a uh, humility of saying, Lord, I just really want to get your perspective. There are situations like with our tongue, like sometimes we've got to like deal with situations. Like we talked about parenting, right? You know, rebuking. But I'm sure we've all heard of the saying that, um, you know, it was the truth and it needed saying, you know, and, and, you know, it needed to get dealt with, right? You know, it was, it was the elephant in the room, you know, I needed to say something, but um, Jesus was the truth, but he didn't always say the true thing. Like Jesus was the truth right? But did he say everything that he knew was true about situations? Did he see situations? Did he understand situations? Did he say everything to the Pharisees and everything to all of his disciples as they were missing the mark? No, he didn't. He was yielded to the Father. He was yielded to his timing, his words, his place. He was yielded to the who, what, where, when, how, all of that. You know, I think about the times when I, I, I have felt like, you know, the Lord was saying something and, and I just, um, like I just said it. And this is, I often think is a lot of my, these are mom examples, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I said something. And, um, and as soon as I said it, I was like, I, I felt the, the Holy Spirit say, I didn't tell you to do that. And that timing was, the time, your timing was off. Like, I know you think you're doing a good thing. This is a thing that you think that needs to happen. Um, but you're, you, didn't, you didn't ask me. You didn't wait on me in that. And this is actually something that I feel like is really, you know, I, I, I have grown in this area because of what we focus in on here at Light Hop, right? Waiting on the Lord, letting him lead us in these interactions with other people. You know, I think about the, the verse that says, um, be, be, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be that way. And I want to be quick to listen to what the Lord is saying. I want to be slow to speak. And if, for me, maybe it's not always about anger, but I just want to be, I want to be slow to open my mouth. I want to be slow to, to make assumptions. I want to be as slow to start you know, getting into my head about something instead of really waiting and letting get get that conversation happening with the Lord quicker. Um, want to be want to be waiting on Him in whatever capacity the tongue is being used for, whether it's a rebuke or an encouragement or a prophetic word or a hymn or a song or a spiritual song, whatever capacity, um, it's going to be true 
when it's done and led by the Holy Spirit. If I think something is true according to the way the Bible has laid it out, but I'm not doing it in God's timing, and I'm not doing it in God's heart, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I am out of his leadership. I'm in, I'm in rebellion. And my tongue can actually cause harm to the body. It can do more harm than it could. It can actually do worse. This thing that I think is true. Well, it's true. But it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's got to be under God's timing. Proverbs 18, 13 says, um, this is New Living Translation, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Um, there's two things that this highlights to me. Number one, I want to be humble enough to recognize that I'm not God. I am not God. I, just every day, the way I blow it is a nice reminder to me about how I'm not God, how I look at situations, I don't see things completely, how I think I'm understanding it, and then I open my mouth, and I'm like, no, I didn't understand that fully. Um, I, I might think I understand, but that's really my arrogance. I, I don't have all the information. And even if I did have all the information, I do not have the capacity to understand a situation fully. So if I don't have all the information and I don't even have the capacity, then why do I think that in my arrogance that I, I'm going to be able to like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this situation. I'm going to deal with the problem and take care of it. I know what needs to happen. No. The second thing that I learned from this is that I am never, even with all the facts, going to be able to see the situation like God does, which is kind of what I'm saying. His ways are higher than my ways. But I can trust that if I will allow myself to get out of my anxiety and just say, he says he's going to work all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So am I going to believe him or not? Because if I believe him, then I don't need to get all into trying to control the situation. I can just leave it at his feet and trust that he is working a thing out. He is using situations to purify something in all parties involved. All, including me. Maybe you've elevated yourself beyond this point. Like, maybe um, because you've, you know, in age and maturity, you're growing in wisdom, and you have learned to not just uh, blurt things out. <laughs> Right? Um, you've got a filter now. So you're great, right? You've got a pure heart because you've got a filter. Not. <laughs> no. No, this is not. Um, I mean, hopefully we're all growing and mastering in this area, but um, not so fast. You don't want to pat yourself on the back because it's really even our thoughts. You know, I was thinking about this example of the rudder, which we're going to get to. I didn't even read it. It's a long passage. But... Um, we know that James passage, you know, the tongue is a restless evil among the parts of the body. You know, it steers ships. It starts forests on fire, right? When you think about the rudder of a ship or an airplane, I watched a couple of videos on this. I've, you know, it's just quite interesting. Just this tiny little, you know, this like on a plane, it's just like this little flap. And um, what happens is that, you know, we think of that rudder like this is what's steering the ships, right? That little, that rudder. But actually, there's something that steers the rudder. Do you know what that is? 
like the pilot, right? The pilot and the pilot's holding like some form of a steering wheel, depending on what it is, right? Um, but it's the pilot. And so it's what's going on in the pilot's mind that is actually steering that rudder. So prior to this rudder, this tongue that's directing what's coming out, there's stuff going on in here and in here, you know, that is in the pilot that is directing what's actually coming and flowing out of the rudder. It's our thoughts. I was thinking of this example of, uh, Noah was talking about filling in holes, and so I'm working on um, garden projects, or landscaping, and you know, trying to figure out the best approach. You know, am I going to use cardboard? Am I going to use weed barrier? Am I just going to not even, you know, because you've got the, all of the, the videos of like, what's better, weed barrier or, you know, or, or the organic material, yada, yada, you know. But this is what you'll hear the experienced gardener saying like, it doesn't matter what you do. Those dang weeds are going to come up. Anyways, they're going to they're gonna find their way through and they're going to show up and they're going to get in there. And it's like, I'm thinking... And this kind of related what's going on there in worship, I'm thinking, you're not going to get, the, the, there isn't going to be enough cardboard or weed barrier. You know, it's, it's going to, it actually, the, the soil just wants to, you know, grow weeds. And, of course, there's a whole other conversation about weed killers and things like that. But it's basically like, even if you use the weed killer or use preen or something like that, you've got to keep killing them. You've got to keep pulling them, and you've got to keep killing them because it's like part of the human condition. It is requiring this abiding conversation because um, it's the thoughts. It's the thoughts that are in that soil. It's those weeds that want to grow. It's that has to continue to be maintained and watched over. Like the gardener knows they got to watch their garden closely, right? We have to watch our thoughts closely. We have to make sure that, um, you know, that that's right because, you know, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, right? Sometimes you may be in the moment, you may be like me and say, okay, um, this is God leading, or is this God leading, rather? It's like, is this God leading? You know, I've got to probably, it's like, is this God? This is a really good conversation to have by the way, because if you start getting to the assumption, like, I would say it's a danger zone if you're like, okay, well, I feel like the Spirit is saying, well, make sure, because, you know, the, the, the enemy is, I mean, the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He is constantly trying to deceive us, and so um, I, I have talked myself into things before and saying, like, oh, I think that the Spirit is leading this here, and I realize, reflecting back, like, no, that wasn't, I, I think I let myself think the Spirit was really, but that was actually me. That was my own mind, will, and emotions that was thinking of something, or that was me thinking, I'm going to fix a problem, or I see what this thing is, or maybe even be influenced by somebody else. Like, we want to be really sober about this area. Um, it, takes, it takes the abiding connection with the Lord. So is, I ask myself, like, is this God leading? Is this me? Is this my flesh? Is this my will? Um, the sooner we pray, the better. Lord, I just pray that we would, we would learn to pray immediately. Lord, would you lead us? What are you saying? What are you doing? Um, how do you see the situation? How do you see the person? One of the things that I try to do, too, is just to see what my emotions are. Am I feeling anger? Am I feeling fear? Am I feeling offense? 
Am I feeling critical, impatient? Like if any of these are present, I remind myself that these are not fruits of the Spirit. And in this situation where um, my tongue is inevitably going to be involved, right? I, I want to know, I want to get a litmus test of that. Am I feeling love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Um, these are the evidence of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in me. If I'm not feeling these, I know that um, I need to get in his presence, you know, to clarify what is happening there. Like, um, yeah, to, to help really sort that out. As I said, especially as a mother, you know, but also as a wife and other relationships, the Lord has shown me good and bad, but he's also more times than not said to me, like, like there's a situation he's allowed me to see it. Yeah, good and bad. But um, he's also more often than not said, no action required on your part. Have you seen this before, right? No action required on your part. Another way to trans- translate in layman's terms would be, I've got this. I just like, I feel like God's saying, I got this, Paula. I got it. No action required on your part. This is often it, the case. Have you ever heard that saying? Um, I love this one. It came to mind when I was going through this. It's like, um, good morning. This is God. I'll be handling all of your problems today. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah, I love that. He's like, I got this. Um, I need to be reminded of, of this, you know, probably about every five minutes. So, but waiting isn't actually enough, though. If I'm waiting but with an arrogant um, attitude or if I'm waiting with a, you know, I'm right and you're wrong, um, we don't want to be deceived. It, it really leaks out of us. Um, doesn't matter whether you put the weed barrier down. It doesn't matter whether you know that, okay, I'm not going to let this slip come out of my mouth. But the weeds are growing there. You know, the thoughts are there. They, they leak out of us, don't they? James 2.13 says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What about when action is required? When I said no action required. What about when action is required? There are situations where patience and waiting isn't actually what God is doing. Matthew 18 lays out when sin is involved and what the protocol is to deal with those situations. You know, we want to be able to follow that also. We, we do have to, as a body, like, in, it is loving as a body to be able, if we recognize, I mean, Paul, Paul talked about in his leadership, okay, you, you, there are situations where you, you do have to deal with things, and, and that is actually love. Galatians 6.1 explains well the posture of the heart behind the words. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So it, it definitely, kind of going back though, it definitely starts with our heart. Way before it gets to the vocal cords, it's actually starting there, isn't it? Watchman Nee, in his book, Latent Power of the Soul, he breaks down the differences between the body and the soul and the spirit so that we would not be ignorant about it. He does a really good job at breaking that down, and that instead we would discern the difference. I mean, I think we often talk about, like, you know, the spirit and the soul and the body or our flesh, um, but there is, like, 
if you could think of it, is, you know, God's spirit, his leadership, and our spirit is like our mind, will, and emotions, like our personality. There is this wrestle of what we're going to surrender to. Are we surrendering to the spirit or are we surrendering to our own mind, will, and emotions? Because there is some power there. And it's like, I'm not going to get into all that right now, but there's, there's definitely, if you've ever heard that term soul power, there's some power in, you know, what we want. Like, if we've ever, I think we've all been in this situation where somebody is like their mind, will, and emotions and what they want, it's kind of oozing out in different expressions. It isn't necessarily the spirit. It isn't something that's an action, but you can just feel like that pressure or that presence. And this is something that I'm sure that we have all done and we've all, you know, experienced as well. But... Um, for the purpose of our discussion here, it's how that's expressed through our words. Our goal is to have our mind, will, and emotions surrendered to the Holy Spirit and the expression of our words. And so, like we've been saying, we need an abiding conversation with the Lord to do that and not to confuse what the Spirit is saying and what our own soul is saying, right? Satan knows the power of our tongue and does all that he can to trip us up in this area. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> That's really intense. Matthew 12.34-37, New Living Translation says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Gosh, that's intense. (laughs) Let me read that again. Like The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. A whole forest is set on fire by my tongue. Ships are steered by the rudder of our tongue. It's intense, isn't it? It's the words words we speak. It's the words we type. Um, They're revealers of what our heart really values. Um, It's the the revealer of what our heart says, what what we say and what we type in public, you know, but like what, what we, what, is happening privately, right? This, um, the power of our words can be used to tear down or build up. I mean, this actually includes, like, we're a house of prayer. We have, obviously, we spend a lot of time not just verbally talking, but singing. We're praying. And so um, we're on a microphone a lot of times. So, you know, this kind of sobriety is required there as well. I I can tell you, I've had the situation where following a prayer set, the Lord convicted me about something that I was singing. And it was like, that was not coming from my spirit. That was actually coming from you. Ouch. <laughs> right? So um, when the spirit is moving, like we, you know, I know Tom's talked about this a lot. When the, when the, when the spirit is moving, the flesh is moving. This is why we have to pray and be discerning because, you know, we're setting a climate here and even for people that will come into our environment and learn from what they see happening here. And so when the spirit is moving, our feelings are also mixed in there. Could be to a higher degree or a lesser degree, but it's something that we, we're always having to be mindful of, like those weeds. God is the only one that's going to be able to deliver us, like 
course, Paul's like, who's going to rescue me from this body of sin? Who's going to rescue me from this tongue? It's just weeds that keep coming up, but only Christ Jesus. He's the only one that can rescue us. We're all on this journey together. We are all wrestling the surrender of our tongues out to God. We're not perfect at it, but we are pressing in, right? We are pressing in. Everyone in here is pressing. I don't know anybody in here that I don't think is pressing into this. So I love to run with this group of people because it's like we are all, we are doing this imperfectly, but we want to be surrendered to God's leadership. So I want this to be about encouraging us. Like the word, the word is, is, is um, you know, taking a temperature, you know, of where we're at, like that story, you know, like, how you feeling? Let me see your tongue. <laughs> like there's that check that has to happen. There's a sobriety that God is calling, to, uh, calling us to as a community. This is a special environment that we have here. And with this level of intimacy, it's a privilege and a responsibility. A big responsibility. Someday when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ um, to receive what is due us for what we have done, whether good or evil... As 2 Corinthians 5.10 talks about, it's going to be like every idle word. I'm like, oh, I need to hear this all the time. This is why when, I, when we were going through this lesson at Cape Up, I'm like, every idle word. Oh, that is, yeah, that's weighty. My own words, even my careless ones, are going to be brought forth as witness. This is where I'm reminded and thankful for the warning of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's what I need it. Like, the scripture is going to teach me what is true and it's going to teach me what's wrong in my life. Thank you, Lord. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Shock me now, not later. Right? Um, I'm probably going to have to get in. I, oh, do I have time? Okay, I'm going to read this James passage. Um, I'm almost done. Because this is what we've been talking about. James 3, 1 through 12. I'm reading from New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. We don't have time to go through all of this, but I think some of this we've kind of been talking about. But I I just want to really quickly touch on this, like verse 10. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. What happens is like, you know, we can be in a situation where all of these charitable acts and good things that we've done, you know, can feel like they're like undone with that, you know, blah, (laughs) you know, that we put out there. Or it can be like this incongruity of inconsistency where maybe there's these actions here, you know, but they don't line up with other actions. It's like blessings and curses, like they're, they're not lining up. You know, it's, it's, it's back to Romans 7. Who will rescue me from this body sin? <laughs> Only Christ Jesus, right? James is just inviting us to examine ourselves. And it's the truth that exposes the darkness in us. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? So I'm going to close this in prayer and... We'll get the rest of this maybe next time. Lord, would you help us to be quick to recognize by the rudder of our tongue when we're off course? Lord, I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want to be quick to repent and ask for divine help, Lord, because I know I cannot do this. Lord, we want our tongues to be fountains of life. Would you help to encourage us? Would you help us to encourage us to be surrendered to your leadership? Lord, I want my tongue to be used for life to encourage more than, more than critique. Lord, would you help us to speak words that are good for building up, that give grace to those that hear? Would you help us be people whose mouths are full of life? Lord, would you continue this good work that you began in us where we exalt and encourage, um, where we encourage and build one another up, Lord, and we want to use our tongues to glorify you, Lord. We want to do the first commandment, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. We want to do it with our tongue. We want to glorify you here in this place, magnify your holy name to give you the worship that you're due. Lord Jesus, we want to, as you're changing us in this vertical relationship with you, Lord, we want to grow in our horizontal relationships with one another, Lord. Would you give us our perspective? Would you change our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.